0: our friends are in medicine, and everyone offered us some form of high dose medication, and that's not what we wanted. We're never told that diet's gonna cure PMLE, right? In med school. We're never told that diet's gonna cure psoriasis. In fact, if you mention it, you're kind of like like on the edge, right? And guess what? <laughs> it worked. I mean, wow. Her, her skin cleared up. She's able to go in the sun. I mean, our entire life was changed. Welcome to the
1: Dr. Joy Kong podcast. This is where I have a chance to share with you some of the latest developments in the space of holistic health, longevity, and wellness. I've always honored intellectual curiosity and scientific rigor combined with real world practicality. My goal is that what you learn here will help you live longer and live better. Hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, welcome to the Dr. Joy Kong show. So as you know, this show is all about health healing wellness, inspirations, and happiness. So whatever we can do to help making the, the world a happier place. And today I have a wonderful guest Dr. Efrat Lamandri, and she is called Dr. E, right? That's how, how you are okay. referred to. So, um, and she is a uh, nurse practitioner. She owns her own medical practice, e.g. healthcare. Um, and she provides pediatric adult and geriatric care for, to over 20,000 patients. Um, she also has taken conventional medicine to the next level with her signature process, the new method. So N E, I mean, K N E W method, and she can explain, um, what, what that's all about. Um, this is really about, um, healing people from the root level right instead of treating throwing drugs i'm sure you're uh educated just as i did which is drug centered education so how did you become who you are uh in your practice and how do you think you different you differ from how other doctors help their patients
0: um that's a great question first of all dr joy i'm so excited to be here and to all your listeners thank you for giving me some of your air uh space and air time uh and I hope that we entertain you and give you some important topics to take home. So uh, as you said, uh, I have a practice called EG Healthcare, and it's kind of a typical primary care practice for families, pediatric, adult, geriatric. And when I started it, I did the typical things. So for all you listeners, whatever you are imagining, when you go to your primary care doctor, PA, the annual visit, the sick visits, that's what EG Healthcare is about. And it's not wrong and it's important. And it's important if you have a disease, you certainly wanna find it and you certainly wanna treat it, but it's also not a hundred percent right uh, because it is really geared to find disease and then treat it. And if you don't have a disease and maybe you're just not feeling well and you're in the world of unwellness, then there's no room for you in primary care. And if you do have a disease and you wanna have a conversation about treating it without medication, then again, there's no room for you in primary care. So they're not wrong, but they're not completely right. Uh, I would like to share a personal story of what made me pivot from what you and I learned in school and to make a decision to provide different care. If you would indulge indulge me in in that. Um, So this, as always, I think most of us who went to school, we have to have some sort of personal experience either ourselves or our family where we realize, wait a minute, we need to, there's something more here. So in my case, it was when my wife was, she was diagnosed when I met her, my wife was a vampire. So not the cool kind of vampire that's immortal, but she had a disease called PMLE, which stands for polymorphous light eruption. And what that means is that she was allergic to the sun. So we jokingly called her a vampire because we couldn't go out in the sun. <laughs> and, um, but we were, you know, we managed, right? What do you do when you get your first diagnosis or your first pill or your first aches and pains? You manage. We just didn't go out. And during the day, we just changed our life accordingly. And we just accepted it as our fate. But then the second autoimmune happened, which for those of you listening, autoimmune comes in more than one. And we're gonna talk about why later. The second autoimmune came for her, which is psoriasis, which is so severe, was on her feet. She couldn't walk without her feet bleeding. And so that's when we are like, wait a minute, maybe we should stop accommodating and start searching. And for many of you listeners, you know, sometimes that second diagnosis or something that pushes you over the edge that makes you think, well, it's time to do something else. So I'm in medicine, my wife's in medicine, all our friends are in medicine, and everyone offered us some form of high dose medication. And that's not what we wanted. And none of our schooling gave us the answer. And there's a lot of schooling between all of us. So someone suggested that we go to functional medicine and we were like, "Mm, okay, but you know, insert eye roll here, like that's not really gonna be a thing, but what do we have to lose? So we went and he ran this crazy blood work that we never heard of before. And he changed our diet. What, we had a great diet. What, like, what are you talking about? We, you know, we, we didn't think we had a bad diet. Uh, gave us some supplements. And guess what? It, it worked. I mean, wow. her, her skin cleared up. She's able to go in the sun. I mean, our entire life was changed, completely changed, blown away personally, but also professionally because we were never told Dr. Joy, you, you were never told that diet's going to cure PMLE, right? In med school. we are never told that diet's going to cure psoriasis. In fact, if you mention it, you're kind of like, like on the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been to many a derm lecture when I suggested it and they're like, no, there's no connection. So, okay. Um, so I realized I have to bring this back to my practice and for many of my patients. So, I, you know, I went back to school Institute of functional medicine got my PhD in integrative medicine and then I brought it back to the practice in the form of the new method
1: Wow yeah so so what did you think when you were going through all the functional medicine training in, in comparison to <laughs> all that you've been taught because you have a
0: PhD as well yeah so it's the upside down show right I mean I don't know your entire background, but I could imagine that you at some point had to experience this, right? Where you're like, wait a minute, no one told us to look under the rock to see what's happening here, right? Where you just you learn all these things. And again, they're not wrong. And if you have certain diseases, you certainly wanna follow an algorithm. It's just not the whole story. And I just remember constantly being blown away. And then, you know, practicing with my patient constantly being blown away by the results. So what i decided to do because i come from the land of conventional medicine is really important for me to structure this so that i can you know just make it methodical because that's we're we're from you know the scientific mindset so the new method does that what we do is we have we have a like a patient journey where you come in and you um, have certain blood work done blood work that is far beyond what's done during a primary care visit we do saliva testing for adrenal fatigue. And then we actually spend time with our patient, getting to know our patient, like we set aside a full hour, which is mind blowing because the annual visit is about seven minutes mm-hmm. and um, not, not any doctor's fault. It's just the way the system is set up in order to be able to survive. Um, there's no malice here. I just wanna make sure that you know everyone is trying. And um, then we go over the results And we use software that tracks not only results, but tracks symptoms. Because for a lot of patients, if there's no diagnosis, but they have aches and pains, you know, what are you tracking? If their labs are normal, what are you tracking, right? It's one thing if you have a cholesterol and you can track it, go down, diabetes, the A1C go down. But what are you tracking on the patient who doesn't feel good, has brain fog or or joint pain? You have to track their symptoms. So we use software so we can monitor our progress or monitor flare ups. And then we work with our patients for an entire year. Like our patients have to be dedicated for a year because it took you this long to get messed up. It's gonna take us more than one visit to, you know unmess you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's been a very interesting ride.
1: Yeah, so what do you see in your practice as far as um, maybe patients before you adopted this new method you know how they did versus after you've brought all that in and or patients who have gone through other doctors who tried everything and then what happened after they used you know
0: your method to answer your question i'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned about the patients because mm-hmm. uh, it's also patient dependent you know it's one thing to say hey i need a doctor that is thinking a certain way it's really patient dependent because Ichi Healthcare still exists and it still has thousands of patients because certain patients are not ready to make the change. They are either, you know, whatever's going on in life, no judgment. They're not ready to make the change or they're comfortable with medication or their lifestyle, the way it is, they want to keep it a certain way. And they're willing to pay the price of having to take medication in order to maintain their lifestyle, right? Like a patient who wants to smoke and wants to be on an inhaler. The patient who wants to eat a lot of carbs and is willing to be on diabetes medication. So, those patients still need to be in some sort of conventional medicine setting. The patients who want a different answer, new method and functional medicine is for them. So, for those patients, what I see is, you know, I don't want to say the word miraculous because it's not a miracle, but it, it feels miraculous. It's not a miracle because there's science behind it. But you have patients primarily you know, over 50 and over, who are just not feeling great. And many of them have resigned to the fact that it's just their age. Or for women, it's just their hormones. They've just been advised, it's their hormones. And you just kind of, what are you gonna do? Go out to pasture and just, it's supposed to hurt when you go up the stairs. You know, you're, you're supposed to have hot flashes, absolutely have to have hot flashes. It has to be hormonal, right? And you just kind of live your life. And and there's really nothing that you know is offered to them outside of you know, accept it. And their peers are in the same group. So like why would they think otherwise? So many of them come to me because they're just they're saying, Well, the tagline for the new method is because you always knew there was a better way. That's why it's spelled K-N-E-W. They always knew the better way. So people come like, I really think there's something else going on with me. It's not just my age, you know, ever since. This happened. I'm feeling this way. And when we change their lifestyle, change their diet, put them on supplements, suddenly, you know, I have one patient that just he said to me, within 30 days, he said, I didn't realize how hard it was for me to pick up my wallet when it fell on the floor. I used to groan on the way down to pick up my wallet. And now when I go pick up my wallet, I just do it. And I didn't realize how effortless it is. Um, so so it's, what's the what's the main thing you did for
1: him? Um, yeah, so for him, brought him to that place. For him,
0: it was just a diet change. For him, he wasn't on medication yet. Um, he just really was eating the standard American diet, which is inflammatory. So he was one of those patients who everything's fine. His A one C was fine. He wasn't diabetic. His cholesterol was fine. There's nothing you can do for you. But when we checked his inflammatory markers. They were really high. The CRP was high. The ESR was high. So, but in primary care, what can you do with inflammatory markers? Nothing. There's no medicine for it. And you just say, don't worry about it. Or you just don't even test for it. But when we see those markers, we're like, okay, your whole body's on fire. Let's calm it down. With him, it was really as simple as just removing some of the processed foods, the refined foods, and um, getting him some quality supplements, some good omegas, which is amazingly anti-inflammatory, some NAC. And within a month, right? So it's important I'm telling you the month, because it's not just the conversation weight loss, right? Because the weight loss took time. He was a heavy fellow. So weight lo- the weight loss took months but he started feeling better almost immediately because his inflammation went down. Mm -hmm. So this is someone that if he would have went on some sort of weight loss program that never addressed the inflammation, he would have lost the weight, but he would still be in pain. Mm -hmm.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. Have you seen people who only went on the weight loss journey, but really without addressing their, their issues in a, from a functional medicine, you know, more detailed manner, um have you have you seen that? People were just uh, skinny and thick yes. you know, bad. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> no, that's a really great question. I mean, ask people who are post-bypass surgery, they've had right bypass surgery, but then they've learned that they can still have milkshakes. And they're so so it's they're skinnier, but they're not eating anything less inflammatory. And I've had people who come to me and they say, I've been on every diet in the world, nothing works for me. And I'm like, right. Because that's not what we're doing. We're not doing that. Of course, it didn't work for you. So yeah, I see it all the time. And you know, in addition to inflammation, a topic that comes up a lot in this in our age group, is thyroid. So a lot of patients will say to me, you know, my, they can't get my thyroid right. If they bring it up. They bring it down. They bring it up. They bring it down. You know, the, my meds keep changing. I started at 25. Now I'm at 225. And again. It's not a weight loss conversation. Again, that's a conversation of what's going on in your body. Are you inflamed? If we don't calm down inflammation, if we don't calm down what's causing the autoimmunity, right, because for a lot of people, thyroid, if you have Hashimoto's, it's an autoimmune thyroid. If we don't get to the core of the autoimmune and help stop this antibodies from happening, well then yeah, your thyroid, of course, because it's 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 not the medications gonna fix it, right? You have to get to the cause of it. So. Certainly, to answer your question, I have plenty of patients who have tried weight loss approaches, but yet their issues are unresolved because they never got to the heart of it.
1: Mm, Yeah. So you have a lot of experience treating thyroid conditions. And what are you what's your your usual approach? uh, Because, you know, besides just giving them thyroid replacement.
0: So I love um, treating because it's so common. Um, it really, um, you know, plagues a lot of people. And the one, and again, the one thing that's never discussed is how diet is connected to hypothyroid, specifically Hashimoto's, like autoimmune hypothyroids. Some people have hypothyroid for other reasons, but autoimmune hypothyroid, not to get too technical, but it's often a conversation of an inflamed belly, leaky gut, and the gluten sensitivity. Mm. So, you know, just quick recap for your audience. Antibodies are, we all know about antibodies at this point in the game, which is what your body forms when it's trying to attack a foreign object, right? We're not supposed to have antibodies to ourselves. Yeah, people who have Hashimoto's have antibodies to their own thyroid. So their bodies are constantly attacking their own thyroid. They're stuck in the loop. So they take the medication because their, their thyroid's not producing a hormone. They take that hormone, but they never stop the attack on the thyroid. And for a lot of people, I mean, the, one of the first thing you, you should do if you have Hashimoto's is just get off of gluten. Here's the thing. If I'm wrong, big deal, you're gluten-free. I didn't cause you any harm. I didn't give you any side effects. <laughs> but if I'm right, then I may have saved your thyroid. I'm not saying I can reverse it, but we could save it from worsening. Hmm. And that is because, um, the protein in gluten, which is called gliadin, is very similar to the enzyme in your thyroid called transglutaminase. Sorry, I have to think about it for a minute. They're very similar. So when the, if you have a leaky gut and your body's attacking gliadin, it, through molecular mimicry, which just means things look like each other, will start attacking the enzyme in your thyroid. So every time you have cereal, every time you have a sandwich, even if it's on a whole grain bread and you think you're doing the right thing, you're creating attack on your thyroid. So if we don't address this, your thyroid's never going to be right. So this is, this is one one of my favorite things. And by the way, just so you know, if you getting your thyroid right, right, doesn't mean you'll be off meds. It means you'll stop being like up and down with your meds and you won't have increases. You'll just be steady. Sometimes in early stages you can prevent and lessen and reduce, but if you've had it for a long time, then the goal is to just stabilize it. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So um, I know you are really uh, big on helping people reduce their inflammation. So um, it, I assume diet will be the, the, <laughs> the foundation for, <laughs> for reducing the inflammation. And um, what, what's your approach when, when yeah. people come to you, you know, in their middle age or, you know, later on in life and they just, you know, things
0: are just not, you know, working as well as before. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I hate to say it because people don't want to hear it, but yeah, diet is the mainstay because it's, it's what you do all day long. So what you eat and when you eat is really, really important for um, inflammation. Without a doubt. Um, when I say when we eat, I do promote intermittent fasting when it's appropriate. I do recommend initially, initially, not forever, a really restricted diet, which means gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. Not forever. Initially, because we have to calm the system down as quickly as possible. Get, this, get the symptoms down. And then we reintroduce slowly and we notice what comes back up. Let me give you an example, because this, I actually did my, my thesis on this because it mm. blew my mind. So we collect all this data on all these patients. We have this questionnaire. I didn't create the questionnaire. Smarter people than I did create the questionnaire. One of the questions is, do you have tinnitus? Um, do you have ringing in your ears? And I've always ignored it because I don't know about you, Dr. Joy, but I always learned that once you have tinnitus, it's pretty incurable unless you're on aspirin and you come off of the aspirin, right? just it's just is what it is learn to live with it so i always kind of ignore this well months into using the software i started noticing that people who came in with high numbers two and three months into the diet was going to zero Mm. what the heck are you telling me that tinnitus is inflammatory because i i never learned this so i you know i did some digging and turns out that Yes, tinnitus is inflammatory, unless of course it's post-trauma. You know, my soldiers, my police officers, I'm sorry, I probably can't help you there. But for other people who didn't have trauma, it's inflammatory. Mm. So back to this diet. So we put you on this restricted diet and let's just say your tinnitus goes down to a one or a zero. And if we reintroduce something, even something that you think is healthy, an eggplants, and suddenly the tinnitus comes back, that's a flare up. And we can know that that's not for you. So by calming it down really quickly, restricting really quickly, and then slowly loosening out, we can kind of see what's flaring you up. So that is how we start with more patients. How long should the restricted period be? So it depends on the patient and the goal. And as I was going to say, also, even the type of restriction depends on the patient, for example, and then I'm going to talk about the length. But I just don't want to think that even the diet is, you know, one size fits all because with diabetics, you have, if they're on medication, you have to go a little easy with the, you know, with the no carb and the fasting Um, patients who have some predisposition to Alzheimer's, you want to be careful with how much meat they're taking in, if they have the gene for it. So it's not a one size fits all, but generally speaking, length of time depends on the goals. So if the patient also has a weight loss goal in mind, then the longer we stay restricted, the faster we get there. Some mm-hmm. patients don't want to lose any weight, so we're just gonna track it based on the symptoms. Okay, we got to the symptoms, we got there, we can start loosening up. What if we only got halfway there and we needed a little more time, especially GI issues? So it's patient dependent, but you know, really quick would be 30 days. I would say three months is ideal because it gives your body a chance to repair. And we're gonna give you supplements also to help repair your belly. And then, if you know the introduction can be done slowly and then at the end you kind of graduate as it were with a diet that is very specific to you because your body told you what it needs your body made the decision by letting you know the flare ups it told you what it needs very specific to you and will have a lot of the things that you know you had before but will eliminate the things that your body is clearly telling you not to do. It won't be a list. It will be your body communicating to you. Hmm.
1: Yeah, very interesting. And of course these days, um, I think people are very confused when it comes to diet. Um, even yeah, I yeah. get confused because I, I listen to various experts. They all seem to know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, very, very well-schooled and have completely op- opposing point of views. So <laughs> it, so it does get very challenging. I can imagine what people were wondering. Should I go low carb? Should I go, you know, low fat? Um, should, should I, yeah, should I avoid animal products? I mean, all these are, it, it's, it's a very confusing time.
0: You know, it is. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that my way is, is the right way. I could just say that it's because we use the symptoms to track it, if the symptoms get better, right? Like I said earlier, it's not just enough to just say, okay, my A1C get better, but I can't go up the stairs." If you're feeling better, then it's the right diet for you. And if I'm doing it and you're feeling worse, it's the, it's the wrong diet for you. So I feel like it doesn't get much simpler than, than that. I mean, in addition to tracking labs and making sure you're okay and you haven't created any issues if you're feeling better then what could be a better um, understand you know uh, proof that you're on the right diet yeah right and and but, sometimes I'm sorry oh no I yeah okay. go ahead I was gonna say sometimes it's more complex than that right this this is the easy patient right sometimes I have I've had patients where even though we, we removed things they still had GI discomfort or they still had you know certain skin issues. And it was like, well, what else can we remove? And that's when you have to start thinking about specialized testing. That's when we start doing labs like Cyrix labs or special fuel testing, because then it's a little bit more complex. So I'll give you an example. I had a patient, very thin woman, already kind of eating really well before she came to me. When I came to her, I just tweaked it a little bit more. Weight loss wasn't an issue. You know, compliance with diet wasn't an issue. And even though I tweaked it a little bit more, she still had GI um, issues. So, we, the first test we ran, again, I always try to wait a few months before we start spending money on tests because sometimes we don't need it. First test we ran, turns out that within her healthy foods, she was very sensitive to spinach and tomatoes. Who the heck would have known spinach and tomatoes? Like, oh, right. So, we removed that. And, uh-huh. that, and that was like something that she ate often. So it got a little bit better, but not hundred percent. So then we did stool testing, and we discovered that she doesn't have enough digestive enzymes. Yeah. So, but we had to go very slow with digestive enzymes. She couldn't handle them, you know, at every meal. So we started like once, once every other day. And again, because we tracked her symptoms, we started we what we started tracking was how many days between flare-ups. So if before it was flare-ups every day. And we got to every other day and so we added another enzyme and we got to, so now I just saw her recently, we're up to seven to 10 days between flare ups. And that's how we're you know, marking her improvement because the, the labs are perfect. Her labs are pristine. So, um, so sometimes you have to get a little bit more than just the diet. And it depends on, on what's going on with the patient.
1: Yeah, you really have to be a superb detective too. Cause you're, 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 you're really fine tuning and you're, you're just, you, you know, and, and all these little symptoms can have a multitude of, of causes and, you know, the conventional medicine, you know, because, because the symptoms too little, they, they just, they just brush it off. This is well, yeah, it's too bad. You know, drink some more water, do more yeah, exercise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah
0: so, you know i'm glad you mentioned exercise because everyone tells their patients just go exercise right and some basis so we test virginal fatigue and not to get too into it but there's three phases of virginal fatigue one two and three phase three they're exhausted they have nothing left they're running on fumes you tell a phase three to go exercise they can't these are the people that after the exercise they need a nap so a conventional you know, medicine doctor would say, you really should exercise. Great. So now they try to exercise, they're exhausted. No one understands why they're not invigorated from exercise. And now they start like self-doubt, self-hate, like I'm so lazy, I can't go, what's wrong with me, right? So now you have this whole conversation in your head. And if someone, sometimes I sit with them I was like, don't exercise until I tell you to exercise. Don't exercise until two or three months from now, when you come back to me and tell me you have energy, that's when we're going to talk about exercise
1: because mm. you try
0: to exercise now, there's nothing left in your system, it's just going to take us backwards. So, even something as simple as like every bunch of exercise is not even a one size fits all.
1: Yeah, I love it. I've never heard a doctor saying that I don't want you to exercise yet because
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's what they prescribe for all ailments. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. But you know that some patients, like when they exercise, they're, they're depleted. Right. And so if you tell them exercise now, they're just stuck. Also the stress, the mental stress that does on them because everyone else is invigorated and they feel like poop when they're done, you know, working out and they don't know what's wrong with them. And that does a whole mind game that worsens things. So we give them that out. And now after three months when they're feeling great, I'm like, okay, now let's talk. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, I I like that, um, you know, kind of eliminate elimination diet, uh, in the beginning. So you're eliminating, um, all gluten, dairy, um, and, um,
0: grains and sugar, grains and sugar. Okay. Initially, right. For the first 30 days, because we don't know what's irritating you. Mm -hmm. So we're taking on the, the classic irritants off. Remember, this is just, this is not forever. I don't, no one could do this forever. <laughs> and so you don't want to set people up for failure by saying, this is how you have to live forever. Thanks, Dr. i e. I'll never come back. Temporary. And I always do it in the beginning, right? Some people do it the other way. Some people eliminate slowly. I think we eliminate in the beginning because that's when the patient's most motivated. They're mm. not feeling well. They just came in. They're ready to do the work. So capture it, right? It's like that first month at the gym. Capture it. Because if their symptoms, if they start feeling better, that's it, they're, they're ready to continue, right? But if you go slowly and remove things, people don't want to have things removed six months later after they made the decision of starting to do this. I think it's harder psychologically. Yeah. Because I know there's that mindset that removes things slowly. Yeah. Now that being said, again, patient-dependent. If I have a patient who I'm still talking to about whether or not McDonald's is appropriate, that's a patient that I may not go completely, and we could just talk about what we could order at McDonald's, right? Maybe we could order the salad, right? So some patients are not quite ready there. So it is patient dependent. And some patients, you know, when you're talking about fasting, you know, like if you take their coffee away with the way they have with their cream and their sugar, they'll walk out, right? So sometimes you have to-world collapses. <laughs> so sometimes you have to be patient where they are. But, just describing the ideal scenario. Right, right.
1: Um, so I like your approach that you kind of, you know, you don't go crazy with testing right from the start. You go with the diet change and you do, you know, some more basic set of labs and then you, you, you watch how they do with this <clears throat> new diet Yes. and uh, maybe some supplements and if things don't get better, then you peel the onion again. Yes. yes. Yeah, I like that because some doctors, they will, you know, do, you know, five, $600 or a thousand dollars test all at once. And they're bombarding. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. Oh, you've got, <laughs> you know, you're toxic. So we should do some chel- chelation therapy and you need to, you know, here's this hormone. Here's this, you know, other, yeah. Other herb. It just, it gets very crazy i think and overwhelming for people
0: you know you brought up such a good point because if you test everyone we probably all have some heavy metals we probably all have some mold we probably have all have some hormonal balances so it's not just a question of finding it but is that what's causing your symptom mm-hmm. right so if i clean up your diet and everything is perfect you're symptom free then do I really need to curate you just because I found it in there, right? I don't, it, it, that's not causing your symptom. So why would I want to find now if I clean up your diet, you're moving, we're getting quality supplements, you're getting IV infusions, you're on point, you're still not feeling well, then yeah, likely something else is causing it and then we need to hunt it down. But you know, you you try, to, you try not to treat the test. And if you're just going to test for everything, I think almost all of us in this polluted environment are going to come up with positive for things, but it doesn't mean it's causing us symptoms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it probably could still undermine us in some ways, but it's, it's not, is not acute. So after you get everything addressed, you are feeling pretty good. And if you want to further, yes. you know, on your biohacking journey, and then you can do some more. Uh, yeah. there's endless tests, there's genetic endless. tests. There's <laughs> endless.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. But I, I let the patient lead the way. If they wanna do more, we do more. If they're not there yet, we, I mean, I, I love a good hunt. Don't get me wrong. I just wanna make sure. And the other thing is this, let's just say you are mold toxic and I have patients who are mold toxic. The treatment, mold toxicity is very taxing on the body, right? We have to detox the liver. So I wanna make sure that we're going into that treatment in your best possible version of you, the version that's eating good quality food, already taking supplements, some NAC to like help, you know, get your liver ready for that process. So the timing is also about getting you as a host ready for whatever treatment we need to decide. If we're gonna to decide to do hormones, we wanna make sure that your hormones are balanced food-wise that you're not, you don't have elevated testosterone because you're eating all these carbs, and now I'm giving you this other stuff, right? Let's normalize the hormones that we can just by, you know, balancing your insulin and your thyroid and everything else, but top down. And then if we need it as a host, you're ready to have the most optimal results by getting those hormones.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, um, I've had a patient who, um, got very sickly, you know, f- felt really bad, um, doing testosterone, uh, replacement, and, um, there's a lot of inflammation in his body. So, so that's exactly kind of, kind of what you said, you know, if you haven't calmed the inflammation, you haven't helped the body to be in a more steady and calm state. And then you put this amplifying hormone in the body that is
0: amplifying everything. God, I'm so glad you mentioned testosterone because <laughs> everyone wants testosterone. I'm like, who said right? it's to an no issue? Women. Yes. Who said you to an issue? In fact, now you have hypertension. Now you're taking medication to block the, you know, the effects of the testosterone. Now you're giving blood because your blood's too thick. Like what, what it's so it's its own train that went off the tracks and yeah.
1: Well, it's a very popular subject because people want, you know, they want to increase lean mass, decrease fat. They want to, you know, feel energetic. Of course, the sexual function, it's, it just, it's very popular. So what
0: cases do you, would you give people testosterone? Yeah. And I'm not against testosterone for sure, not, but appropriate. So let's give an example. So with men, when I work with men, you know if they have a, a belly we have to get rid of that first right because that's estrogenic and that estrogen is pushing testosterone down so if you're before i start giving you let's see what your body produces when i get rid of that estrogen belly that you have going on there that you call a beer belly but when i call it estrogen <laughs> belly they don't like that so much right uh, i like what? It. i have an estrogen belly <laughs> what are you talking about so we get rid of the estrogen belly and you start lifting a little bit of weights, many times the testosterone starts elevating by itself and we don't have to introduce. But I certainly have patients where in month number three, they're doing the work, they lost the weight and their testosterone is still not budging. That's a great ca- candidate for testosterone. I believe in bioidentical hormone therapy that's applied daily. I don't like injections that bring you up and then bring you down, it's not my jam just putting it out there. I think we want to keep you kind of steady daily. Um, Cause then we eliminate like, you know, emotional la- um, labile and, 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 you know, just outbursts. Um, so that's, that's what I like to do. And for women, women need testosterone also, but with them, sometimes it's the opposite. Um, sometimes it's elevated. And it looks normal. Cause you know, it's like, if you pull, let me just explain post-hormonal women should be like a zero testosterone. If you're 65 you walking with a testosterone level of 30, you're eating a lot of carbs. We have to figure this out. Right. So before I start talking to you about estrogen and, you know, and, and projection um, I know it's bad testosterone woman, I have to see what that looks like when you don't have all this insulin resistance going on. So, now for postmenopausal postmenopausal women, if it's at zero and they're feeling symptomatic and we did the work, for sure I'll go on testosterone. Again, bioidentical hormone therapy and um, topically. And I, I think it's great. Um, so, so yeah, there's a room for it. But what we do now is just like, oh, you're tired? You have muscle pain? Here you go, here's some testosterone. No one cares about your high blood pressure. No one cares about your, how thick your blood is, right? It's fine. Well, there's it's a recommended good, good, good. dose, dose range for for testosterone
1: for women, right? So it was like, you know, yeah, like
0: I remember it was 35 Like, so it's like point, it's 0. 0.25 to one milligrams a day topically. And for men, you start at 25 milligrams. Right. And you know that what you're getting when when people are getting injected is way higher than that. Mm. And um it's, it's concerning, <laughs> it's concerning because then they come to me in my primary care practice and I have to deal with their blood pressure being high and you know, where do they go to, to you know, do phlebotomy to get rid of the, you know, the thick blood that they have because now they're at high risk for a stroke or heart attack all because of testosterone. So they're chasing a different loop, that testosterone loop, what happens is, oh, I feel achy, let's give you some testosterone. Initially, that first testosterone you get that first month, you're going to feel amazing. Then mm. you're going to keep spending the rest of your time on testosterone, that kind of testosterone, chasing that high, which you're never going to get again, because that's not your problem. The problem is not your testosterone. Well, these, these people's testosterone is like, a, like over a thousand. It's clearly, that's not the issue anymore. If you're still achy and not feeling well, and the, the libido is an issue, can't possibly be testosterone if your testosterone levels is at a thousand, right? So for some reason that's lost on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: what, uh, what other methods do you use to help people decrease their inflammation and, and, and improve their vitality? Like some important things that's part of
0: your regimen. Okay. So we, of course, nutrition, we discussed supplements. I love supplements, not instead of But as part of this complete breakfast, and every time I say that, I know how old I am because that was in our commercials. Uh, I'm 50, by the way. Um, So uh, supplements, I love supplements because there's just certain things, like even if you have a high quality food, you need. Um, Again, it's dependent on what's going on with you, but I think everyone should be on a high quality multivitamin. Everyone should be on NAC which breaks down into glutathione, which is like an antioxidant that, you know, is magical for your liver. Uh, everyone should be on vitamin D, of course, check your levels, You should be on some vitamin D. That's, that's a baseline. And I think almost everyone should be on some of omega because it's so great for inflammation. And that's, that's your baseline. That's what I start my patients on as a basement. And then we customize based on, on what we see. So supplements is a big part of what's happening. Sleep. Oh my goodness, sleep. We have to optimize your sleep. If you're eating, you know, gluten-free ice all day and taking all your supplements and you're not sleeping, we're not reducing your inflammation. And, you know, for those of you who are concerned about memory loss or Alzheimer's, if you don't get your sleep in, just look it up. If you don't get your sleep in, cognitive decline is happening. You have to sleep quality sleep 7 to 8 hours you know, that mindset of like, whoever sleeps less, you know, early bird gets the worm and, you know, top CEOs only sleep for three hours. No, don't believe the hype. (laughs) You need to sleep. And we try to optimize it. A lot of it, again, goes back to nutrition, because if you have a glass of wine at night, you're not sleeping. Mm. You have a big meal before you go to sleep, you're not sleeping. Um, So distancing your last meal from dinner, making sure there's no alcohol, or a lot of carbs at dinner, Um, You'll sleep better. And then sometimes you need supplements that are melatonin and, you know, other supplements to help you sleep. Stress. We have to talk about stress, self-care, right? So we need that as well. Mm -hmm. Everyone has stress. I'm not telling you that we need to go out and hug a tree every day, although that would be nice. I'm just saying you need to take moments for yourself in your stressful life. Um, I think those are the pillars or nutrition, um, how we eat, when we eat, how we sleep, the supplements we take, and how we're managing our stress. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exercise. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <A little laughs> That's bit. the foundation. That's, uh, it's a journey. Um, we can always keep optimizing. I mean, there the are more and more things they're discovering, you know, even, even there's just uh, from uh, genetics, right? What, who is fit to do what, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of food is best for you? What kind of exercise is best for you? We're all built so differently. Um, and that, that's what I realized that, um, you know, people, people talk about certain diet being best for them, but it may not be the best for you, you know, um, because that's your body just doesn't digest that type of food, you know, in in the most, uh, you know, beneficial way. And, um, even people with, um, you have to to look at what, what, what does your brain do? Because some people may have addiction, right. May have food addiction, Mm -hmm. may have carb addiction. So the high carb diet may work for somebody that, um, that doesn't have food addiction, but doesn't mean that you can touch it, you know, that, that, that is, you know, all free for you. So it's, it's just, it's very complex, but I think it's a journey. And I, I hope people realize that this is a journey and, and, you know, enjoy getting to know yourself.
0: Yes. (laughs) that's a really good point. And, you know, the carb thing that you brought up is really important because people have a family history for diabetes, right? And so that means that person, a will have just a little bit of carbs and they'll develop diabetes Mm. Person B that doesn't have the genes. They could still get diabetes, but they'll have to eat the carbs for much longer, for many more years, before they get diabetes. And it feels unfair because how come you know Joe Schmo can have all this pizza and not get diabetes, and as soon as I look at bread, I have diabetes. Mm-hmm. And that is genetics, but knowing that is really important. Knowing that you know your neighbor's diet is not necessarily going to work for you. It's a really good point that you bring up. So yeah, good.
1: yeah.
0: I mean that's the the wisdom
1: that in the end people say have a diet take a diet that's the best for you find your (laughs) it's like jesus that's not helping i have to find my own diet
0: (laughs) which is is why you know we create like we create a system because we have to start somewhere which is why we do it so restricted but then ultimately where we end up is so patient dependent
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is such a good discussion yeah you know a lot of really helpful tips for people
0: um so but you mentioned NAC. can people still get it yes you know i know that there's like this conversation of a shortage but we haven't experienced it have you experienced it um i have not
1: (laughs) i've not (laughs) talked into it so i haven't looked at it but i know there's this big
0: there's a big push but but you have been able to- uh, We've been able to get it. Um, oh, good. So for, you know, for your listeners who may not know, there's this big push to regulate NAC because I don't know, the powers that be think that it should be regulated. Um, so far it hasn't been. And so we've able to offer it orally. Uh, NAC, as I said, breaks down to glutathione. And then we also give it in IVs as uh, glutathione push.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good news. <clears throat> we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, um, you know, one reason I wanted to invite you on the podcast is because, you know, you're doing medicine in, in this new fashion. And I think that's really where things are going. Um, you know, medicine ha- is going through a seismic change. People may not realize, you know, people who are stuck in conventional medicine they they're not seeing it coming and that they're dismissing, dismissing. And there are patients who are so locked in by their doctors that they think the doctors knows, know it all. And the sad truth is that what most doctors practice in the conventional medicine is 20 years behind what the science is showing. Cause you, you, you had a PhD, so you're in the science aspect. So, you know, science is way ahead of medicine. And, it's, and what I love about functional medicine or anti-aging medicine, you know, this whole group of medicine is that it's following, it's following new research. It's like, whatever that's coming in, we are absorbing it. And that's why it's so, so exciting. And, and, yeah. um, and it's, it's just going to take over. I think I, it, it has
0: to, it has to take over. And, and here's the thing about functional medicine. I can't heart, I can't hurt you. I'm not giving you a pill that's going to have a side effect. Okay? I can't hurt you right, if I help you eat healthier and, and get more sleep. I can't harm you. Um, whereas some of the things that we do, myself included in primary care, I mean, have you, if you read the side effects, they're scary. Um, so you, know, this, and you constantly have to, when you're prescribing things, risk-reward, risk-reward. You know, I, I gotta give it to them because guidelines says I really have to, but I know that all these things can happen. It's, it's a ter- I'm actually more terrified when I practice primary care because I know all the side effects of what I'm prescribing, but yet I, I have to give it, um, you know, whereas in functional medicine, I'm, I'm worry free. Like I, I know, I know what we're doing is good for you. Yeah, yeah. it's a great place to be in.
1: It's wonderful. So um, how, you're in New York, right? So how do people find
0: you? Um, so the website is the new method and new is spelled with a K, the new method. And that's true also for Instagram, Facebook, apparently I'm very popular in TikTok also, not really sure why. (laughs) So it's it's the new method by Dr. E, we also have YouTube. And any of those, whatever platform you like, there's a way to just book a free consult if you ever wanted to. You're not sure what we offer, what we do, we could do a virtual consult and we could talk about, but also if you just go on our platforms, I I give a lot of advice. my book is coming out May 11th. And in that book, it's called, it's not in your head because mm. so many people are told it's in their head. And I really give a step-by-step guide for you to be able to manage this on your own, if you want to, because I really want to empower patients to be able to figure this out on it. You know, it's not about me holding on the information. So when this book comes out, you know, hopefully you get it and it helps you because that's the whole point of writing it. And, um, yeah, I hope to, to hear from you guys, but even if I don't, please use the messages, please use the videos, the platforms to help yourself get to a better place.
1: Wonderful. Yeah.
0: We'll put a link in the in the information below as well. Sounds so, great.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Thank you
0: for so your fun. time. Yeah. Thank it's you a fun
1: interview. interview.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy the content. And if so, please rate and follow this podcast. To reach me, you can contact Uplift Longevity Center. That is Uplift with a Y. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Joy Kong MD. See you next time.